Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 48 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Some of you are sitting there going, whoa, 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 whoa. Last week was a double with POS and and Dessa, and that was numbers 45 and numbers 46. Those of you that are thinking of that will have missed the secret podcast that dropped on Friday, that little extra bonus. We gave you three podcasts for free yesterday. Um, So, yeah, you're welcome for starters, pay more attention in future. Um, and, you know, if you're grateful for all these free episodes you get, you could head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com um, and buy stuff. Obviously, we've got the Team 3W t-shirts that keeps selling out and are going crazy, so thank you all for supporting that. But we've got a lot of other stuff, and one of the other things there is the new record by B. Dolan. And I need to talk a little bit. This is going to be a kind of long intro because there's a few things I want to talk to you about. It's a great it's a great episode, Uh, by the way we've got JT from Banquet Records I'll talk about that more in a minute but I want to talk about I want to initially just thank you all for your support um, of the B. Dolan record it launched on Friday and the reaction has been absolutely overwhelming and so much of it has been down to you guys spreading the word supporting I mean we've had a delay on the vinyl and you've been insanely understanding and supportive of that so everything yeah it means the world thank you for continuing to support and thank you for realizing that this is one of the best rap records you're ever going to hear or hip-hop or spoken word or whatever you want to call it so yeah if you've not checked it out yet head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and check it out um this this week's episode is with jt from banquet records um i loved having him on uh i i was inspired to do this one after how well the episode with paul vickery went down um who Paul Vickery was at the Prince Charles Cinema. And that is, I think of the last three, four months, it's either third or fourth most downloaded. And we've had some huge names, so it's beautiful. I explained at the beginning of that episode, the point of this podcast is that, and again, it was inspired in many ways by watching things like Jonathan Ross, who hopefully is going to be a future guest on the podcast. He said on Twitter he'd like to, to come on recently. So that'd be great. Now, I'm a big fan of 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 of, of him, and but the thing that occurred to me was on his show he gets millions and millions of viewers and he has four huge like Hollywood stars. And the fact is three of those huge stars could get those millions of viewers and you could fill that extra space with someone who's just interested and has something to say. And that's the point of the Distraction Pieces podcast is, yeah, we have Simon Pegg and Billy Bragg and Russell Brand and, you know, all these big people. Um, And next week we've got Neil Maskell, who's absolutely amazing. Yeah, we have all these big names, but we also have people who are just genuinely interesting. And the beauty of... The fan base that we've already built up is you guys seem to be okay with that. <laughs> like you don't go, oh, we're not going to listen this week because I've not heard of that person. So that's hugely appreciated. Um, so we'll get onto the podcast shortly. One of the other <laughs> podcasts I've mentioned before that has influenced the idea of that, of important people, intelligent people, unusual people, interesting people, and crazy famous people is the Joe Rogan experience. And the, the next thing I want to talk about is at risk of just turning this podcast into the, the Joe Rogan experience because he goes on a lot about um, the flotation tanks. Um, and I decided to try one out recently. I've had a very... I've had some stressful times recently. Let's not, not go into that. That's not important. But I decided to try a, a flotation tank, which is a sense deprivation tank. And I found this place called Floatworks in London and they were nice enough to invite me down. And I fucking loved it. Um, <laughs> Joe Rogan often talks about how he'll spend... He's 
he's got one in his basement and he'll spend two to three hours in there for writing, for relaxation, for clarity of thought, everything. And I book my session and they're generally an hour long. And I thought, man, that's a long time. I'll ex- explain what it is. You get in this pod, essentially, and this pod is full of, of, of water that's got loads and loads of Epsom salts in so that you float n- naturally. And when you're in the pod, you have an option. Obviously, you, you or you can you can leave it open. You can leave it open, but in, in general, you close it down. And then there's an option. There's some nice lights in there and some nice music. Or you can turn all that off. And kind of the point of them is to turn it all off, I believe, or from what I've heard. A lot of people need to ease into that. I said I have the pod open slightly for a bit or some music on or some, some lights on. But I decided to go straight in. And so you float in there. And the point is the floating gives you kind of a zero gravity feel. So you've it kind of removes that sense of feeling or being grounded or touching anything. So it's different from just laying in a bed because you've you've lost all of your weight essentially um obviously the lights are off so you're in pitch black because it's a closed sealed pod you have little earplugs in to make sure no more sound gets in so the idea is complete sensory deprivation and i was in there for five minutes and i was like dude i mean this is cool but what am i going to do for the next hour and i swear the next thing i knew the kind of a light slowly come on and the music came up to bring you out of it because it just flew by it. Like I genuinely thought an hour was going to be too long. I thought if I could have done a half hour session, I would have tried that, but an hour flew by and it's such a rare thing now. Um, whether you're at home or, you know, in bed, even one of, you know, a, a literally moments before I'm falling asleep, I'm checking my phone or the TV's on or a lights on, or even at, at my place, there's cars going past outside. There's all sorts of things. So it's so rare that you have an opportunity to have that complete a relaxation and removal of of senses so yeah I really enjoyed it and I, I, I wanted to talk about it because I heard about it on another podcast I was concerned because because in America Joe Rogan started talking about these and basically his podcast is huge it's huge and he started to he basically yeah he launched a lot of it even the guy at, 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 at Floatworks which is near uh, Canary a Wolf was saying if a dude comes in eight out of ten times they've heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast but yeah I just wanted to talk about that and because I found it, it, it fascinating I'm glad I got around to trying it out um they're not a sponsor of the show or anything I just I've been listening <laughs> I'll be honest I've been listening to a lot of the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast recently and when he has a guest on he spends 15-20 minutes at the start just talking about uh, what he's been up to and his his time and I often forget that I've got a following as well. As odd as that sounds, I think of every podcast as you're tuning in purely for the amazing and interesting guests. And I forget that a few of you might be interested in what the fuck I've been up to. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd I'd add a bit of that at the beginning to give you a bit of insight. Um, in fact, let's add some more. Um, just really quickly, I had a few weeks ago, I had some discussion on on Facebook about... Uh, vegetarianism and meat eating um because i posted a picture of some meat just i genuinely didn't mean to offend anyone i just i literally woke up thinking man i love meat and i, I posted that so, and i woke up this morning thinking man i love meat so here's some meat but it offended a lot of people so i posted i want vegetables because i genuinely also love vegetables and a big discussion i went on and i didn't want to get into it too much because again i had a, a lot going on that day and a lot going on in my life in general at that time so I didn't want to get into it too much, but I discussed a few people in 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 uh, in, in in messages, 
the fact that again i'm completely pro i'm happy for you to be a vegetarian i'm happy for you to be a vegan um i happen to be a meat eater um and a lot of people were saying that how can you eat meat or, or basically i was i didn't get around to explaining properly i'm an animal a, a lover and a meat eater um and i'll explain that a lot of people are like well you can't you either love animals or you don't eat meat i disagree with that um in, in many ways and again this is going to sound attacking in many ways I feel it's more in some ways I have more respect for animals than those that don't eat them because they love them and I'll explain that because in my mind I still very much see humans as just another animal I've discussed this before with my mates my mate Tom I won't let me talk about it with him because he feels it's too depressing um but to the extent that I'm fine with the idea of the human a race being wiped out because animals become extinct all the time i don't think i honestly don't think on a global scale or molecular scale or anything else it would be that big a deal if we got to a point where we wiped out i believe another animal another creature organism would would then take a chance and evolve over however long and 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 have their go at it so my belief is that we're just another animal we happen to be an animal that um it's in our nature and in our, our genetics to eat meat. Uh, equally, I don't get mad at a lion for eating a zebra. It, it, it doesn't infuriate me. It, it doesn't make me angry in any way. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of... I, I could go on for hours and hours, but that's kind of my explanation of why I'm a, a, a meat-eating animal lover. I obviously um, know and agree that there are huge issues with s- s- some of the way that animals are farmed or meat is got and all sorts of things like that um again it's weird that a lot of people who say that are also anti-hunting i believe the ideal situation would be we all hunt our own food and eat our own uh, food that would be my ideal that would genuinely be my ideal situation that um anything that is killed anything that is killed at all is eaten so so there's a process for it we don't have this over farming or over stockpiling or chemicals or any of these other more ugly areas that which again i get everyone's point on that i'm gonna get so much hate on face on on facebook and, and twitter for saying any of this but yeah anyway i'm sure a load of you will be mad as hell at me um for that but you know you do you i'll do me i think i the reason i was saying it's kind of more disrespectful is it feels like you're saying that we're above animals because we're you're saying we need to pat them on the head and look after them. It's like, well, no, in my mind, we're a predator. And in many ways, the way we've evolved our cities is we've removed a lot of natural predators. It's why in many countries and in many areas, there is um, laws on 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 the fact that you have to do a certain amount of hunting and, and culling. And again, I think that's perfectly natural in places. There's, there's places in America where at certain points of year, you have a legal obligation to kill a certain amount of, um, you know, whatever animal it it may be. It may be bears, it may be anything um, per capita. Or pigs is is the major one, actually, pigs, because they, the way we've built our societies up, we've removed a lot of their natural predators. So pigs and wild boars don't know not to just fuck and and reproduce, (laughs) you know. And, And in general society and or so, so, sorry not society in general nature has a cap on that in everyone has it's, it's, it's natural predators the way we've changed that and main made taken ourselves out of the food chain completely 
kind of has fucked all that up. There's a certain amount that needs to be balanced out. Again, I'm not trying to make anyone mad. I'm just trying to discuss this openly and honestly, and I'm regretting it already. So let's get on to the podcast. Um, this week, as I mentioned, it's JT John Tolley from Banquet Records. Um, he's an amazing dude. I've been familiar with him for a long time and familiar with Banquet Records for a long time. We will explain more in the podcast, but they have become, considering their one store in Kingston, they have become a key part of most people's album releases and campaigns. Um, and that's Kingston upon Thames, and uh, not Kingston, Jamaica. Um, and it's because of the way they do it. Uh, similar to the Prince Charles in, in many ways, they've turned around and gone, right, we can't compete in certain ways, so we're going to use our strengths, um, yeah, w- wisely. So that's what this is. So enjoy this, episode 48 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. And we have begun. I'm here with John Tolley or JT. I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar with calling you John Tolley. That's only because of, of Twitter. You know, I'm used to JT. But J- JT is quicker to type. I've always yeah. used that. Yeah. So, um, and you run Banquet Records, and that's certainly how I'm, I met you, and numerous other things that you do. So, how are you doing? You well? Yeah, good. Busy. Always busy, but well. Yeah, I, I mean, I just popped in the store to... I mean, we've now come to... The Hippodrome, which is, is is where you run your club night news slang as well, which we'll get round to. But I just popped into the store and it was interesting to see boxes and boxes and boxes of vinyl. So you uh, you've got something particularly good going on at the moment. I that's right. I, I mean, there's always there's always lots going on, but um, as vinyl has become. Uh, a bit of a revival of sorts yeah. um, and more significantly as labels have picked up on that there's uh, a lot of reissues coming through and there's a lot of bands where we do the UK supply of the American labels yeah. release so one just came in which is brand new Deja Entendu which is a big one we've done two yeah. and a half thousand of those but wow. see, there's boxes everywhere And but you can't take any you can't cut any corners about trying to ship out vinyl which people are going to love and, and nurture for ages yeah. so. it's got to be in good condition You've got to look after it. I've just, um, I mean, the, uh, this is coming out the week after a, a B. Dolan's new album drops and we're recording it a few days before and I've just had to announce that, that there's a, a delay on that. And that's because, again, it's weird, the vinyl revival, because it's, it's, it's very much a thing, but it's also a bit of a battle at the moment because it's still, I don't know, it, I, I feel it had its boom on independence and then it's dropped off a, a little bit, but there's still... A lot of independent, you've got a desire to do this, so you want to p- put stuff out on vinyl. But yeah, I mean, the problem I had was the first ones that came through weren't they had a they had a slight skip on some record. It wasn't even on all, all record players, but I was like, no, I'm not. You know, it has yep. to be the top quality, and it takes a long time to get vinyl done. And yeah, I mean, there's massive that. there's massive delays in pressing plants, and and there was. You know, in, in amongst Record Store Day, which is yeah. a celebration of, of record shops, but significantly of vinyl, yeah. there was a lot of talk about um, the downside of Record Store Day being this, being that indie labels particularly have such a backlog of putting up, yeah. of getting their records pressed. And uh, one thing which we'll probably come on to is that we're a record label as well as a shop. Yeah. And so we have that same problem whilst whilst benefiting from the other side of it. Yeah, well. completely. I mean, it's a beautiful s- a situation on on your part to say that any annoyance that you're getting from that is placated because you're also getting the benefits from it but it's a big thing at the moment as well that um 
a lot of I'm not sure if it's HMV I'm, I'm sure it's something it's somehow tied into HMV but a lot of the major labels are doing these huge runs of reissues which means they've got big deals locked on with the oppressing plants at the moment which means again huge backlogs and delays for for us smaller labels to to get things through yeah it's a constant battle but you know as a as and, you know we're just this is proof of it there but as a an independent retailer as much as we want to support a lot of the sort of small and new emerging artists one of the bit things we'll sell the most of is the represses of, yeah. of people like Bowie and, and Lezep yeah. and stuff like that. That's still a thing which people buy soundtracks, like the Jurassic Park soundtrack selling lows this week. Oh, and it's, I might uh, have to come and buy that on yeah, my way back through. That's a beautiful thing to have, but it does put everything else behind in the queue a little I bit. I mean, again, I think all of that, and the way I, I, I like, whenever I have, have delays on things like that, I'll write a nice personal message explaining it. And people are generally fine with it, because as much as a delay is annoying... I love I love vinyl. I'm excited that all these things are coming out, and whether they're coming out on my label or not, it's still like I can't get that mad if there's delays because there's so much demand at the pressing plants to make these beautiful these beautiful things. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm mad at that. The difference <laughs> in 2015, I guess, is that people who are picking up records are by uh, I want them in parallel with how they listen to it, and it yeah. might not actually be i can't listen to the record until i get the vinyl in my hands because it might be they've, they've, they're yeah. streaming it or they've got the download with which comes instantly when they order the record exactly and so the vinyl is more a piece of art to have and to hold and to keep forever yeah um, and and how you actually listen to it might be a different way i mean we've all had the download codes with our records and put you on it on, on the uh on the ipod so i think that that what you said there is what we do as a business and a label but also just what you should do is, as humans is just just try and express a message to people yeah, yeah. just understand and, and be okay but it's bizarre you've made a, a, a great point there that the vinyl revival a lot of it isn't necessarily a revival of people are listening to vinyl yeah it's definitely a revival of people buying vinyl and cherishing vinyl but i don't think it's like oh there's been this big switch of people that's it's just it's the same i have the same with dvds i've got so many dvds now that i buy because they're films i love and it's kind of number one I want to support it. And number two, I want to have it in my collection. I want it in, in, in my wall of DVDs or Blu-rays to say, here's things I like. Absolutely. And that works. I mean, we expect people who are, who are really into music and have been for years and decades to have that kind of mentality. But one thing which I think is quite important to express is that there's, like, new people into this as well. Like, for them, it's not a vinyl revival. It's, for them, it's new. Vinyl's yeah. new. And so... At Christmas, um, one of our biggest sellers was the Taylor Swift album on, yeah. on vinyl, which was something we never saw coming. No. And it's, it's a great thing to give as a present in a way that a CD may be less so and an MP3 certainly less so. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. That's crazy, I can't even imagine. Yeah, but again, it's a big album, it's huge, and it's going down. It is one that I love or hate Taylor Swift. I mean, personally... I've got a penchant for some of her, some of her work. I've posted that online before, and people have been fucking furious. But that—that that is what it is. But I love or hate her. She is someone that I know. I've got metal friends on Facebook yeah. who will admit to liking Taylor. And you know, she she is someone who's broken a lot of them boundaries down. As weird as that is, so yeah, for sure, it's the and perfect crossover artist, right? Yeah, and also <laughs> I, I, I really... I've, I've just said that Taylor Swift is the perfect crossover artist. I don't want that taken out of context and quoted. But yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a soundbite right there. <laughs> but I think I don't think there should ever be guilty pleasures in music. I think if you like something, you just like it, and and it's not it's not anything to be. Oh, I'm a bit embarrassed, but I actually like the song. Like, awesome, that's a, a song, and it's um, I. 
there's an argument to say that writing a perfect pop song is harder than writing a, like a new punk song. You know, completely. Com- oh, there's been times on tour where I've had an amazing back catalogue of kind of 80s and 90s punk or post-hardcore um, amazing stuff, and I've listened on loop to the Cindy Lauper greatest hits because <laughs> yeah. she's written some amazing pop songs and it's like there's 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 and again there's no shame in that it's in a way because of what you said there because of the nature of guilty p- pleasures and I want to wanting to actively counterbalance that I'll talk more about the less credible stuff I guess and I, I mean I even put Prince in there in some way because it's still it's he's writing pop it's funk it's pop but so your Prince your Cindy Lauper your all, all people like that it's it's fine to enjoy. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about, obviously, Banquet Records and the scene that I feel you guys have built. But before we get to that, can we talk about are you gr- growing up and what, you know, what, were you part of much of a scene? Did, are you originally from Kingston? And, yeah. And so, how was the music, alternative music scene at that point? Yeah, sure. I guess I came into it maybe a little bit later than some, but obviously you're talking in a, in a kind of a world where you weren't exposed to music in the same way that today's kids yeah. are um so i grew up on the outskirts of kingston but i went to school in kingston and uh it was actually the shop um as it was beggars banquet which was yeah. in, in kingston which i started going to a little bit scared walking into an independent record yeah, shop for yeah. the first time i was, bit, I was way more comfortable going to like the hmvs and, and virgins and, and getting stuff but so i was kind of through friends at school we turned on to bands like i don't know Blur and, and yeah. Smashing Pumpkins yeah, and yeah. a kind of like, you know, stuff which you would loosely call like alternative music. But it was through going to what was Beggar's Banquet that I decided, um, well, I discovered more a kind of uh, an alternative, an, an underground scene, a subculture, yeah, yeah, a different kind of music. And and that's when I sort of realised that what punk rock was, I, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't so much a, a kind of... Um, a fashion or a, yeah. or a, a, a look it was like an, an actual world of music which i'd only really seen on like punkorama type cds yeah, at, completely at it was, there was far more of an of an of an ethic to it rather than a specific chord progression even or a, a limited chord progression um yeah, yeah so that completely. was kind of maybe sort of 17 18 as you hit the sort of uh sixth form or whatever and you're trying to sort of discover who you are and then through university years but yeah I, I was always kind of loosely into radio friendly indie and yeah. al- alternative stuff but i'd say that the, the the discovery of this of this subculture which i then found was what sort of got me hooked yeah. and maybe because i was hooked so late then uh, that became my life from that point really again it's, that's it's, it's, it's never a bad thing i'm convinced that the reason I've been able to, to to maintain a solid career in music is I started, kind of had my break or really started around 24, 25. So, yeah, I messed about in local bands at a younger age, but doing it properly, I started 24, 25. So as soon as I came in, I had more of a, a grown-up head on it and a grown-up outlook on it. So that, that birth into it at a, at, a, at a later age kind of can make you appreciate it a little bit more and have that that excitement and appreciation so so when did you or, or actually before we get to that let's talk about the the fact that there is a genuinely different feel and respect for going into an hmv and going into an independent a record store and again i think that's that that's heightened a lot over the years i think and this is this is only my loyalty of being an hmv worker for for five six years there was a point where I feel it was a tiered system. I feel 
your record stores, all the staff knew, you know, everything about our records, but it was a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Your HMVs, it wasn't intimidating, but there were people who worked there that knew about shit that would have piercings and bright hair, and you'd go, all right, I can ask them and get some recommendations. And then your virgins or things like that that were more, it felt like this was just a a shelf stocked. Right. uh, With CDs. I'm not going to, I'm going to, if I know what I want and it's big, I'll go there and buy it. It felt like HMV had the back catalogue and the the knowledge. The record stores had the complete history at the drop of a hat. So, yeah, you, how was that? And was that the feeling Well, it's really hard. It's that? really hard for me to be objective because I'm so tied up in it. But, of course. Um, if you take us back to um, the late 90s, I guess it was, yeah. uh, in Kingston there was nine record shops at the same time. Wow. Uh, so we had three dance shops, yeah. uh, two indie shops, and there was a tower, and there was an R price, and there was a, a version and H&V at different times. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've Two R prices one, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And um, so there, there was a lot to choose from. Um, I think, yeah, like, like what you're saying there, it's unfortunate, but it does sort of go to the territory that some people are intimidated come, going to an independent record shop. One of the things that we've tried to do from day one since, since taking it over and owning it is to, or banquet that is, yeah. um, is to try and break down these barriers, to try and like make, make people feel welcome there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's how that is. But I, I don't, I don't really know if uh, I, if I ever saw it as tiered. I think I just saw that one shop was better at one one yeah. thing, one at another. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, some some shops might be better at price. Some shops might be better at knowledge and back catalogue. Exactly stuff. that. I used to. Um, I had some mates who worked in a DVD shop um, near. And this is a confession that I'm glad I'm not in HMV anymore because they'd they'd be furious. But I had some mates who worked in a a rival DVD shop but it was an independent one and when like it was at the time when like Harry Potter films were like the biggest thing you could get in anywhere they like as the DVDs came out they were the big deal um and they'd often put them out a day early mm. to get those extra sales yeah. and all that and we would send people ar- around to cat to try and buy one to catch them yeah. so that we could report them and I was I was management at the time and I'd just pop off to the toilet and text my mate saying someone's coming round to, yeah. to check. Because in my mind, again, it's it's weight in it. HMV can buy in huge bulk and have a huge price advantage. So independent record stores need to have their own ways of fighting it up and, and, yeah. and, and having their own advantages, right? But, but I think it's I think it's quite important to say, like, you know, what, what you're saying there, but where we are right now, uh, HMV is in no way the enemy to, yeah. to any independent stores. And it's really important that... Uh, there is a high street chain which sells physical music, uh, because without that, there, there might be uh, it might be that the labels are like, okay, so I tell you what, let's just give it let's to Amazon and, I mean, and that's it. Again, I think that's that's been a huge thing that happened in recent years. Like, like when H and V did n- nearly fold, it was mm. that kind of thing of. And again, I got it from mates who who work in independent stores and things like who had seen them as the enemy for so long. Yeah, and then when Virgin went, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, fuck them. And it was like, oh damn, there's only one left. If yeah. they go then, yeah, what's going to happen? Because that is still one of the major reasons and, and resources and abilities to for, for labels to press absolutely f- physical stuff, even if it's to end up sitting on their shelves. It's that initial yeah. sh- shipment going out. And significantly, the people who work there are in the main music fans or video fans yeah. or games yeah. fans, but still fans of what we would loosely call creative arts. Completely. And, and and also, oh, I had I had a point in my mind which I completely lost. <laughs> that's but, fine. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's the key thing. And and yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it's it's, it's that weird thing of yeah, it's not un- until it almost w- I went that I think people truly appreciated it. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, it's not. For some reason, there is a massive difference between a walking in a shop and, and looking at stuff than going on Amazon or going on wherever. And one of the things, I mean, you mentioned about the intimidation factor and how banquet tend to, to counter that. I mean, I feel one of the ways has always been the way you, you'll have your recommends and things like that. They're never in a snooty kind of hipster manner. They're always kind of really... Should check this out. It's it's pretty decent. It's you know it's okay to have not heard of it. Yeah, it's fine. What we what we try and do is never to sort of try and persuade someone to buy something. What we try and do is persuade someone to put it on their radar. And yeah. from that point, like, hey, this band exists. You should check it out. If you like these bands, then you you should see what this band's about. Yeah. And at that point, they can be like, hey, that's not for me. Or they can be like, oh wow, this I didn't know this. Yeah. But but also, and again, in 2015, it's a different world. But a lot of the time, the people who are coming in know exactly what they want. They just want you to be able to serve them with the thing that they already want yeah. so the, the the need to create a demand isn't there in the same way but because the, the demand's there a lot of the kids who come in and adults I use that kids, the term kids yeah, kind yeah. of wrongly there but they, they will be more clued up on, on their favourite bands than we will about those bands. So you, we, one of the, And one of the things we, we get from behind the, the till, which is why I never want to stop working downstairs and over the counter, is yeah. you find out so much more from the customers. Yeah, and so you, you get knowledge from the customers, which you can then use to the next people who would be like-minded. Yeah. And, it, and it really is that which I think as long as we have that relationship with customers, we can keep providing these gigs and these records and these exclusives and what have you and just serving people. And as, as kind of uh, preachy as that sounds, that is actually a, a thing which the people who work at Banquet and most indies, I think you'll find, yeah. have that in them. You know? I mean, it's hugely true. I think you wouldn't expect, and we'll get on to when you kind of took on Banquet because I want to hear that story as well but you wouldn't in its on looking on a map Kingston upon Thames shouldn't be a key demographic or area for for record releases yet every label I've I've worked with and been involved with knows that it it can be absolutely key particularly on, on release week because of the I don't know the 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 scene, I think, that you guys have been a huge part in in building here, in educating the local scene in music. And again, it's great that that also comes back and comes full circle. But so, was that always a conscious thing of right? We're not just here to provide a service; we're here to inform upon that service. And, and whether that be with the club night, the in stores, the gigs, the you know, the store itself. Yeah, I mean, as it's quite a long answer and there's a lot Go, of parts to no, it. let's do it. But um, we, we at Banquet, when you know, I started working at Beggar's Banquet before yeah. we took it over, uh, and the people who worked there before me, everyone, because you earn rubbish money working in a record yeah. shop, or, or you know, not what a lot of people deserve, yeah. you had to get money from other ways. And yeah. so you, you found that people there's a lot of people DJing yep. because they were, you know, again, it's pre sort of everyone having MP3s, but they, they were the ones who had all the cool records before everyone yeah. else. So they would be the ones DJing the club nights. So there was a kind of an idea about promotion anyway, be it the, yep. the guy who liked the dance music the most would be the, doing the house night and, and then, then there was a punk night and a, an indie night and all these things. And, and so we had a kind of head start there. But the person who gave me my job, Mark, um, who he eventually left to manage 100 Reasons and take them on to their sort Wicked. of big days of Brixton Academy and the like. Um, he was already putting on gigs of these bands, which I didn't really know of, but I wanted to check out. And because yeah. the guy from the record shop said, oh, cool, I was like, well, I'm going to check them out. Yeah, I'll pay um, attention to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was a way which I think, and 
and uh, we, we heard this on your recent podcast, but it, it's a bit of a, a shame that today's youth doesn't really have that whole excitement and investing in, yeah. in, 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 uh, in, in an item in, in the same way. But, yeah, completely. Um, and me and, and POS were discussing that, that, that thing of when you've physically invested in something, it means that bit more to you. You've got that. And again, when I was growing up, I could afford a couple of CDs a month with that. So, but, but it meant that Reef Replenish was getting played yeah. constantly. Because yeah, 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 at yeah. the time, I was like, I bought a, a Reef Replenish and I remember the band Live. Oh, yeah. So I bought their, their two albums and I knew them in and out. And looking back now, there's ups and downs on there, but it was because that, that was all like, you know, it meant the world to me. Yeah. Whereas now I think I might have skipped past some songs and all that. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, continue. So, sorry, sorry, so, back to it. <laughs> so there was always gigs going on in Kingston, partly because the, the people behind the till were doing their own separate yeah. things. Uh, and, and so there was gigs going on in a venue which at the time wasn't used to putting on live music, which they made into a venue which could house live music, yeah, which amazing. was the, the Peel. And that became actually like a staple for like touring punk bands yeah. uh, eventually. Uh, it's now knocked down, which is a, a sad time. Um, so there was always this going... But yeah, it was definitely... It was, it, it was, again, it was on the map, which yeah. is bizarre, because Kingston is... It's one of those places that it's two outskirts... Oh, it, it's a risky one to play, because you might draw from your main London gig. Yeah. It's not far enough out. It's that weird middle point of should we do this but as the scene builds that's, then that's always the battle and when we're trying to persuade bands to come to Kingston with their agents it is typically well we can't do London and Kingston so sometimes yeah. we have to persuade them in other ways but um, we wanted to put on gigs in Kingston because we want bands in our hometown yeah. uh, and like trek into london it doesn't quite have the same like emotional involvement as as yeah, in your hometown I with agree. all, your, all your, your crew and your friends um so that was a, a driving force there so some of the, i mean at, at the time the sort of touring DIY punk bands like like uh, maybe Cap Down and Spy vs yeah. Spy and those kind of shows would would sell out 250 people selling out the, yeah. the, the biggest venue we had at the time and uh, that was like a real part of something you, you felt you were part of something when you were there with these touring bands so we always had the idea of putting on club nights and putting on shows and then as and when and we'll probably talk about the mechanics of this but as and when we, we took over Banquet what we tried to do is we were selling records and Outside of our day job, we were putting on gigs and putting on club nights. So we tried to put them all under the, the, the same umbrella. Yeah, that makes and, uh, tons of sense. Yeah, and because the person who goes to gigs is the person who who buys records. So yeah. why not why not get him get him involved and try and make 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 it all part of the same thing? So in in actual, the driving force was like, hey, this is music. We should all be uh, we, we should all be trying to celebrate this and, and involve each other. But if we were trying to express it to a bank manager we would we would be talking about like diversifying within music and having a 360 degree approach to to music consumerism yeah. but it's but it's not that it's just a vibe it's just like you as a music fan you should completely like and i definitely think it's 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 an it's an ethic and an idea that a labels at a point took on in the wrong way with their attempts at 360 deals because they tried to do a similar thing but made it a financial thing of right shit if people are going to stop buying stuff we now need to sign artists and get every bit of or get a cut of everything that they do which mm. isn't isn't the point whereas the beauty of the reverse side of it of your kind of 360 deal is rather than getting a cut of everything it's putting everything in one bowl so you're going right everything f- f- feeds itself and feeds each other so the club nights and gigs are feeding the vent uh, the 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 store and yeah. the store is promoting like 
get this band and you know seeing Absolutely. it all through and there was sometimes like uh, back in the day where I'd be putting on gigs and I would lose like 200, 300 quid and I didn't know how I would eat for the next yeah. few days yeah. but but as it is now we can be a bit more risky and sometimes we can lose a big amount of money considerably more than that and no one's going bust you know because no yeah. we, there's there's different revenue streams and we, we can take more risk and do more things and sometimes we do things which we know are going to lose money but we think are just a good thing worth doing for yeah. like the local town perfect so let's rewind a bit how did you go from nervously walking into the to, to beggar's banquet for the first time to to work in there to then you know taking over so i went to university at loughborough which mm-hmm. was a, a pretty poor area for for music the the best things about Loughborough was that it was near other places I mean the actual town itself was bad so because there wasn't much of a music scene I I started an indie night there and that was kind of how I got involved in 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 DJing and promoting and then when we came back to Kingston uh, through the holidays I was helping the guys at the shop who who were doing their thing I think Um, indie nights are are such a good gateway and starting point because so many not to hate on anyone because I've done it as, as well myself but you don't need an awful lot of skill to DJ at an indie night you yeah. just need some good tunes absolutely and it's not that kind of right you need this pressure of you need to be able to mix and do this and that it's like yeah. them kids just want to hear the right songs and I, that's that I think in that context you're a selector rather than a DJ yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's just about picking the right tunes yeah. um, but the actual skill of pressing play you know my mum yeah. could my mum could do that yeah yeah um, but she never has yet. I'll well, try and persuade let's, her. Let's, let's move yeah. that up the priority list. So uh, where was it? So I, I, I left university, didn't really know what to do. Started working at Beggars on a part-time basis because it was quite fun, but, you know, it wasn't a real, real job. Left there, got a, like a, a real job, which earned a bit of money but was, was a bit boring. And then, as I, was, I mentioned earlier, the guy who was doing the sort of punk and indie buying at the shop, yeah. he left to... Uh, take on 100 Reasons uh, management full-time, which was, uh, I mean, it was... You know, 12, 13 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and they were a band who... When they had supported every metal band or hardcore band that came over yeah. for years and then were doing their own huge shows. And at and that time, like, they really were groundbreaking. I mean, like, you wouldn't flick through Kerrang! and find any UK rock bands apart from maybe Muse. Yeah. Like, that was, like, it was the, the new beginning of, of, like, an alternative rock band. They're the band I've seen the most without paying to go and see right. if, if that makes and again I don't mean that as an insult at all it was an easy bonus that yeah. if I was going to see the Mars Volta or you, you know or whoever was over I'd get to see Under Reasons too, and that'd be a genuine like we'd yeah. get there early for that I'd, like, I, don't, I said I don't mean that as an insult but they were they were, were making waves when everything else that you were into of that genre was American yeah and they really did it was really American. did open the way for, for a lot of other bands whether or not they, they realise it yeah. um, so the guy was left and was like do you want this job and I was like oh, I don't really know I'm quite happy at the moment I'm getting, yeah. getting a bit of money and I'm trying to save, save to buy a house and he was like, and, but then we kind of worked out that if I didn't do that job I didn't know who was going to do, do that job and everything about the local music scene and the, the gigs and all this stuff which was my only social life you know yeah. that would fall apart yeah. so I was kind of like not pressured into it but I knew that if <laughs> I we love didn't... that it's like do you want this job I mean you can but if you don't you've got nowhere to go out anymore yeah, yeah. and nothing to do so it's, I mean it's up to you you have the job or not it, but it kind of felt your bit, social life is fucked if you don't take bit, this job yeah maybe but but it was more the actual idea that if we want these gigs to continue and, yeah, and, and like something which we, we thought was like quite significant at the time so I took this job on and like didn't really know how long it would last a couple of years or whatever but uh, I found it quite fun and quite interesting yeah um after not very long, the, the parent company, Beggar's Banquet, which, uh, which is, well, the parent company, Beggar's Group, which owned 
the yep. retail arm of what they did decided to close the retail arm so um they sold it to the then boss uh for very cheap um a, a nothing amount and we took on uh he, he took on the record shop as was um and it was two years after that that it was running out of money and we were like a week from going bust like we yeah. we had no stock to sell so we um, couldn't get money in yeah, and then yeah, we couldn't yeah, yeah. pay the bills because we weren't getting any sales and it was a bleak time um i hadn't been paid for like eight months and i was getting buy off like my dj money yeah and you know that was fine in a way because I, I thought the bigger picture was important but uh as as we were going bust my uh we, we worked out a way to buy it off the then boss, which was, and that's 10 and a half years ago, and we bought it for like a very small amount, but took on very significant debts. Yeah, of course. And then it became the banquet that we know today. So that was uh, yeah. 10 and a half years ago. And, and since it became banquet, all the stuff, like I was saying earlier, all the stuff that we did outside of the shop became a part of the shop. That's and, perfect. You and, said, I was, I was, was going to say, how did you pull yourself out of that situation mm. then? Because you're, you're taking on... Um, a live grenade there effectively if it's, it's very much you're out of stock and this yeah. but i guess one of those methods would be to to pull in all of the the resources and make it absolutely and make it one and, thing and we did have a cash injection when we borrowed some money because we knew yeah. that uh, having worked in the business and doing the accounts at that time for uh for two years i could see that if we got that money we could do this and we could do this speculate it, to accumulate yeah well and <laughs> and it forward. and it worked to a point you know uh but it wasn't uh, it wasn't as immediate as we hoped and it was a lot yeah. of work and a lot of people doing a lot of work for no money and, and and friends getting involved and people who were doing commercial work for hundreds of pounds for like graphic design stuff helping yeah. us out as, as mates and stuff and we really did pull on a lot of favors yeah there. yeah um, that's wicked and then we took it over and, it, and it's and it's been yeah the beginning of something different from that point yeah it's it seems to have of, of just keep keep gr- growing and growing um and let's talk quickly about how the digital side has grown again mm-hmm. i'm jumping ahead here because i want to get back to the in stores and yeah. all the different people you've had but but that's kind of i think we should make people wait a bit for, for that because that's the beauty there but let's talk about the digital side of it and how that's changed because a lot of independent record stores have fallen under the wave of 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 digital record sales banquet seems to be the one have gone now we're going to supplement everything with that and that's going to in as i think it has now become at least equal a, a part of our business and size of our business to be selling records online Mm-hmm. And again, it, it, it's 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 something that is quite simple and straightforward. But I mean, H and V, I believe, have dropped their digital a, a web store now, right now, and things yeah. like that. So you know, there's a fair few people. So all you've got really is Amazon, who a lot of people are against because of their tax evasion and things like that. A lot of people are for because of the ease and the price and everything else. But yeah, you've you've put yourself up there as one of the key key options and, yeah. and outlets. I mean, for buying online. I think from day one, we've always tried to treat our customers uh, as music fans and we as music fans should know how they are. Yeah. So we were never trying to pretend that we didn't use, did, like buy MP3s yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So we don't want digital to be the, the enemy. And as, a, as websites were, were growing, there was a few shops who were kind of trying to be like, oh, the, the, you know, the internet's the enemy. But we were never that. And no. I think the shops that are, are, are left that are doing well are also those ones who sort of embraced the internet yeah. as, a, as a wide term. Um, In many ways, it took an, 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 an ethos and an ethic and everything that was very much loved in Kingston. Mm. It took that 
global, I guess, in many ways. It meant it was now accessible. You didn't have to come all the way to Kingston to thumb through your records. Yeah. And you could do it from... And we've always tried to make the website... Yeah, yeah, that. And we've always tried to make the website an online version of of the shop. Yeah. So the idea is when you go straight into the shop, you see the front racks of some of the big stuff and you can go go and have a look at some of the other things and then you can flick through. And so that's that's the vibe of the shop. And so there's personal recommendations there as well and maybe a photo of... Of if of that band played the shop, yeah. it's that kind of thing. We want we want there to we want it to be sort of warts and all in a way. Yeah. We're not trying to compete with Amazon. We're trying to be an online version of ourselves. Um, so come in and there'll be a personal opinion there, but it, it won't be a snobby one. It, yeah. Try to be sort of hey, if you like this, you like this. And the same way that if we if we see a customer come in who who likes a particular kind of band, we can point them the way of of this. But it's not like an algorithm. It's not like a. Uh, uh, an Amazon-esque customers who bought this will yeah, buy this. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, li- a little bit more, hey, th- this has the same feel yeah. of this. And so I think sometimes people get too involved in uh, analysis and, and a kind of an automated approach where you need to keep that human aspect to, yeah. to the shop, to I the online stuff, to the gigs, and, and be real people running a real record shop because otherwise you're trying to compete with Amazon, which isn't what we do. I mean, it's, it's exactly how people like... POS and Sage Francis and so many others have appealed to so many punk kids and metal yeah. kids because in an algorithm they wouldn't at all because they're hip hop but in the reality in the feel of them in the, the DIY nature and, 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 and same with me and Dan over the years like our crowd has always been hugely varied in who they are yet you probably wouldn't put an algorithm to, to put any of these people in the same room together yet they're all there enjoying it because yeah. there's some untangible element there that yeah, that ties I mean, it all together. I, I utterly believe that punk is a lifestyle rather than a music yeah. type. So if you're if you're like punk minded, DIY minded, you know, you can have the same kind of vibe with uh, with with like a, a, a punk kid putting on a a, a band yeah. as a like a, a grime artist in in a different venue yeah. uh, as as almost like as artists like visual artists in a in a different environment and yeah. and like skateboarding shops how they deal with like an independent market in 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 their world and against like the corporates of of nike sb or something and there's so many parallels all the way i mean i'd I'd say the most or one of the most punk rock things to come out in recent years have been odd future and Mm -hmm. again there's 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 love and hate there's been stuff i've liked and stuff i've not liked but on the punk ethic and 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 idea there is punk as you can possibly get yet they probably haven't got a single guitar on or a lot of them yeah. wouldn't have a single guitar or instrument on any of the records but and, and it's something that i've witnessed right up and close personally is uh, jme who um, yeah. had an album out two two months ago and and uh like he's self-managed and well he, he runs his thing stuff himself i don't know yeah. self-managed the right word and uh he was like shall i do a, a he put on twitter shall i do a signing at uh uh, in Kingston, or is it a bit leave it? And people replied to him saying, "Yeah, you should come down." So he, he did a signing in in the shop, which was quite sick, you know, a good yeah. idea. And then we had this PA sitting in the shop as we do for installs, and we were like, "Hey, do you want to play some songs?" He's like, "Yeah, why not?" And then from, and that was like a real sort of punk money thing, like where they just did it, just yeah. got on with it. And then we had like the best time in a kind of and skeptic came down and said hello and, yeah. and, and, and was vocals on a track and uh that was just a real kind of spirit of diy yeah. and so that yeah this is cross music but it's the mindset behind it all which i'm sure you can appreciate yeah, yeah completely so let's, so let's get into um the in-stores because i think mm-hmm. there's there's something that synonymous that banquet is synonymous with and has a great history of um 
again, it becomes a key part in a lot of people's campaigns, even when they get to a point where they're bigger than it needing to be because of having... Mm. I mean, I've done at least three in-stores and been there for the War and Peace one with you guys. And it's yeah. always just... It's, it's, it's a buzz. So, so when did that come about and what was the idea behind that? Well, at where we are right now, there's loads of different reasons why people might want to do an in-store yeah. like some it's about or a gig in general because we, we kind of view the in-stores as a part of the gig so some might want to do it for money some might yeah. want to do it to sell a few albums particularly in week one and we'll talk yeah. more about why charts are important yeah. Yeah. um some might just want to do something that's cool yeah and you've got to again understand the the thinking behind it so so say recently uh laura jane grace of against me did an in-store yeah. um at, at, the sh- at the shop for no other reason than why not you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we've seen stuff like Newfound Glory when they played the Fighting Cocks, like yeah. a, you know, massive pop punk band playing a, as was a hundred and twenty cap room. Yeah. Um, they did it just for fun, like yeah. didn't tell anyone, just landed off a plane and, and came and played like Perfect. a tiny a tiny yeah, pub. Yeah. But so the in stores work for for the bands for a variety of ways, and you need to kind of deal with that. Um, for the customer, it's just cool. You know, yeah. there's nothing more yeah. than that. Like very very little very 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 rarely do we ever kind of be like oh, how much money can we make off this it's not that yeah. it's like oh my god we can have this band playing in a, in a tiny little record shop and for some of the time it's particularly for i mean over 18s are quite blessed in kingston because there's quite a lot of gigs going on but the under 18s in kingston it's a real sometimes it's their first ever concert yeah you know? and they can get to see like you know bands like i don't know bastille or swim yeah. deep yeah. Or, or or you know like we say jme there and, yeah. and all, all different types you know you lot. I was and, going to say, it's, 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 it's worrying to think of it for anyone's first concert because they're often quite the old... Like, it's, not, it's not like the biggest sound system. Oh, actually, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, but as I said, it's, a, it's all about the vibe and mm. the atmosphere. And I, th- I think you're right there. It's engaging a, a youth crowd. Like we've done in stores where it's... In fact, a, a banquet in-store is one of the only times I've censored myself on a song because yeah. I think it was on Introduction, it came up to the C word and there was a little kid on his dad's shoulders yeah, yeah, yeah. and I literally made eye contact just before <laughs> and I couldn't do it. And it's like, I, never, I don't believe in censorship, I believe in blah, blah, blah. But in that moment, I was like, man, we're like almost face-to-face and this is just too much. So it's that beautiful intimacy, I think, that Oh, it's brilliant. And, that, and, so, and then that, that ties in. And so we treat, we treat the in-stores as like a kind of one way of having these intimate, up-close and personal yeah. gigs. But there's other ways we can do that as well. So, so uh, this week just gone, Monday just gone, uh, Lucy Rose has her yeah. album out this week. And, you know, she's a kind of like alt-folk pop kind of thing. Um, it's way more bandy than it used to be. Um, and so we did that one in the local church. Like it's wow. a beautiful thousand thousand year old building in the middle Amazing. of town and having her play there all seated like 300 yeah. people coming and watching that and and again it's like because it's all ages and no alcohol and it's it's nice for uh for people from like 12 to 60 to come and watch a new artist um and you get the same sort of buzz off that and and that, that you do for an in-store because it's about it's about changing to the the needs of in this case the artist what the artist wants to do there is to sell a lot of albums and also have this like special unique feeling gig so that ticks all those boxes yeah. and for us it's really good because we're providing that, that service and we get to watch bands we like yeah i mean completely and it is a real a unique experience because it is intimate it is again the weird thing it's generally in daylight yeah you know which is weird for a gig you're generally yeah. in some dark room or there is no, no alcohol there's no drunk people. It's kind of it's an odd thing. At points, it's at points it can be jarring because yeah. you can be r- really going for it and then realise everyone is just standing there thoroughly enjoying it. Mm. But do 
you're sober and in a bright room, as if you're going to be going, yeah. as if you're going to be losing your shit. It's understandable, but yeah, it builds that beautiful thing. But and let's talk about as well the benefits of the way you, are you, are you, are you'll often sync them in with pre-orders because particularly for smaller labels and independent artists, pre-orders um, and getting those those first week record sales can be a huge deal. So yeah. Banquet, I think, were genius in in convincing agents and labels, essentially, because the artists, m- m- most of them, will be like, yeah, cool, let's do yeah. this. Whereas to, to approach a, a labels and agents to say, look, we'll do this, that if you pre-order it, you get pr- pr- priority entry and things like that, so that and you'll get it signed on the day and yeah. all this kind of thing. Kind of so, all ties together as a beautiful a package, right? Yeah, and it's one thing that we do, and it, you need to be able to own and run a record shop and yeah. also be putting on gigs in the town. And that's why it's quite a hard thing to replicate because unless you have the experience of putting on gigs in your town and having that shop, it's yeah. a hard thing to do. Yeah. But we, we already said earlier about the obvious connection between people who buy music and go to record yeah. shops. So that, that, that thing... Uh, sorry, <laughs> that would be obvious. Yeah, yeah, people who buy music gigs. and go to gigs, yeah. Uh, so that exists, and not recognising that exists and trying to do something with it to to sell some albums is a good, is obviously like something we can do. Now, the importance of of getting uh, like for a lot of us, we don't buy music because it's popular or because it's in the charts. And there seems to be a kind of it's wrong to think that what we want to do is to have big pop stars visit the shop it's not that particularly it's not about how popular they are but what it is is if bands have an album out that week and we and it gets to number 40 say mm. then it might it'll be wrapped up in the hmvs the following week yep, it might yep. get on radio one daytime play or something if it doesn't get top 40 it might not so if we can help the band have the difference between number 40 and number 41 then that will help the band in the long-term future if we can be the difference yeah. between number 10 and number 11 it might be the difference between sainsbury's racking it up so yeah. if you can talk about like like indie rock bands like circle waves or catfish and the bottom who've both been sort of playing recently they get their albums wrapped up in in sainsbury's as their hmv they can sell more and it provides sustainability. And we've just spoken about how important Completely. it is to have a high street store selling physical music. If they're only selling the same music they were selling the week before, then it's not going to be for the good of the bands that we know and love. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's ignorant. Again, I've, I've had this in the past. Um, and, and with the, the, the podcast, in fact, because I'll post proudly when we get to number one in the iTunes chart or top ten or whatever, and people sometimes pick up and go, but charts aren't important. It's like... <laughs> there's an element of that that's right the actual physical thing of a chart it doesn't really mean anything blah 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 i mean it's nice to go to bed going i'm the fucking number one podcast in the in, in the uk right now i ain't gonna lie there's that yeah. element but more importantly with independent artists and whether that be music or podcasts or whatever we don't have budgets to let people know about mm. it and the world's a busy fucking place so a lot of bands even particularly with the way f- Facebook is now as well. I'm going in a bit too deep here, but the way Facebook is now, not all of your posts show up to everyone who follows you or likes you. Yep. All, all these things, you could have a lot of your fan base who don't know you've got a new album coming out. So the fact of appearing in that chart and getting wrapped in HMV or getting um, played on Radio 1 or all these other things, it's advertisement that we couldn't afford to buy. It's, yeah. it's, that, it's that bit... Again, we couldn't afford an advert on on Radio One. That's a fact. Yeah. So if you can get to that point where they have to play your song and say this is who that that's your advert for free. So it genuinely, yeah, I think it's it's it's, it's good to to flag up the 
the, the, the question mark occasionally over charts and how they are actually a valid and important part of these things. And yeah. if you guys can help in that, in, in pushing that through, then that's it's win-win for everyone. I always get annoyed. I keep, I'm, I'm going on and on now, but people seem to think that you can't have something that's just beneficial for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had it before. I had a guy saying to Dan after a show saying, Pip, after every gig, I, I sit at the merch booth, I, se- I sell all the merch myself, I'll sign everything, have photos, and this guy like, it's just so capitalist. He's just, it, yeah. It's just because you make more money. It's like, oh, for sure, it's wicked that we make more money. That's awesome. But it's also nice to meet everyone. Also, I know, I remember the first time I went to see Sage Francis and he was there and I could buy it off him and have it signed. It meant the world to me. So I'm benefiting, they're benefiting. Mm-hmm. It's like... There's nothing wrong with that, yeah. you know, and it's the same with, with what you guys do. It's that, well, yeah, you get it busier, but you, you will get more sales because the band are coming there as well, but the band get more and it, everyone yeah. wins. And there's, there's two other aspects to this. Well, one is it's, it's sustainability for me. I think that's the most yeah. important thing because if, if as a, a label or a publisher or an agent or whatever, you're taking the risk on bands, if you can get a return on that, then you can take more risks with those yeah. bands in the future as a as a promoter here if we can get a lot of people through the doors and the venues like us more we can get the price down of the venue higher and then we can get the the bands in for cheaper that's really that's really good as well but i think the other thing i don't know if you've talked if you've touched upon it much but with the introduction to the friday release date i think that is quite dangerous for new and emerging bands right that's just that's just happened and i think that we're and we've had 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 b dolan's kill the wolf on the first the first ever international friday release date but yeah yeah. no Um, explain why the or what issue you made? Well, I mean, for independent stores and HMVs, actually, there's there's a, a, an immediate problem, which is that we lose our natural spike in the week. That we yeah. don't have a a Monday and a Saturday, which yeah. is which is one thing, but that only affects us. But for actual uh, independent labels and artists, if if we don't have the midweek charts and a way for um, artists to be uh, oh hey, there's this new album out. Oh wow, that's selling a lot. Oh. oh we didn't order enough we'll get more in for the wednesday for the thursday and rack it out for the weekend we're going to lose that and it's going to be harder we think and as do other people like martin mills from beggars gave a speech Mm -hmm. at the um, era agm about it too it's going to be harder for new bands to break through to the charts and if we're not careful the album chart will just be exactly the same as it was three months ago because it's just the same stuff selling on itunes and and let's uh, uh, let's go into that a little um i can give experience as an independent artist is your independent acts and bands that have kind of just got that passionate fan base rather than being a big pop thing have their big record sales on the day it comes out. Yeah. So that's why, you know, our biggest chart position will, will, will be a midweek chart. Yep. You know, when we went in, I can't think, I think, it, oh, I'm guessing it was Angles actually, when that ended up at around number 34 or 35 in the charts in the midweek, it was almost in the top 10. Yeah. Because we had that 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 hardcore fan base now the fact is as the weekend comes around and as people on thursday friday saturday and sunday are doing this shopping in supermarkets are doing their you know whatever that's when all the bigger pop stuff sells and pushes us all out the chart so but the fact is as said the midweek chart will make a radio stations pay a bit of attention to it will make a record stores go all right that's sailing in the chart and we only ordered one or two on mm. a replenished basis. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a valid point. It'll be interesting to see how it, it, it goes, I guess, because... 
I mean, I think yeah, it's... I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's not something I've thought about or discussed, yeah. really. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a thing which has been recognised, and I think the, the people who are driving through the, the Friday release date are the, the majors who yeah. have the, the more to benefit from this. But it just yeah. means that we as independent shops, independent labels, independent artists need to come up with that next way. That next way yeah. of, of, of like using our contacts and our favours and our mates while all the others are, yeah. And again, it's a genuine thing. Every time that we've had a high midweek position and we've then posted excitedly online and said, like, look, can you all support and come yeah. out and buy? It's not because we're trying to be greedy. It's because we're fucking excited. Again, yeah. it's so f- f- funny when people... Because I've in the past been like, oh, charts aren't important. And then when you're in a chart, it's kind of pretty fucking cool. So, it's yeah. just, so you know, there's exactly that. But that genuine excitement to push you, are you, are you, are your fan base on, which w- will be harder to get on a regular basis if you're instantly in at number eight, eight, 89 or, yeah. you know, or, or, or further and further because of not having that initial indie support. Yeah, I think the key thing of this is that the music is no better or worse if it's number one or 100. It's yeah. however good the music is. But for the for the longevity of the artist yeah. the more they can get exposed to more people the more people can get turned onto it and, and then they can fall in love with the band that we fall in love with too so that's yeah. the important yeah. thing if, if, if you want a band to be a your little secret it probably won't be a secret that lasts long because yeah. you can't sustain yourself on being a one person's a, a little secret so yeah I've always wanted it's why I love doing my beat down radio show and things like that because that was all about going Dude, you've got to hear this. This is amazing. Rather than being, well, this is my little, this yeah. is my thing. You stay away from that. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's quickly have a bit of a run through of some of the in-stores you've had. Um, I was looking, I mean, on the, I'm, I'm not going to say I stole it, but obviously with the podcast, <laughs> I do a Polaroid every day yeah. for every episode. But on your counter, you always have a Polaroid of each person that's come in. Uh, and me and Dan are still there from 2008. So that's a pretty good particularly as they get turned over quite I was in the bin, decent, I just got it out just yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> just to be polite. Um, but I saw Ch- 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 Charlie XCX on there, yeah. which, again, I've not, I'll be honest, I've not heard that much, but I know she's a, a massive deal now. Um, I, I saw Will Young as a recent one, yeah. but I know you've had, I mean, the Shikari lads, the King Blues lads, the, you know, a lot of different people. So who have you had that's kind of gone on to be the biggest... What do you think? I, I mean, the, this wasn't in the shop, but the, the hands down, the biggest thing we've had yeah. is uh, a BDI. And when you're having a yeah. Liam Gallagher kind of in your in your shop, that's pretty yeah, crazy. That's we pretty did insane. A, we, uh, one, we've spoken earlier about like how we, d- we don't want to be snobby or whatever. So one of the things we had recently was McBusted, yeah. which was 900 people came in and out of the shop that day to, to meet them and get, and get their crazy. CD signed. Yeah, I'd imagine. Um, Bastille went on to be pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, Laura Marling is one. Yeah. There's, there's uh, Example, and there's, there's all sorts of, of bands. We do like 200 gigs a year in it's and around amazing. town and have done for, well, this is the sixth year. Um, and so you get some, some which get forgotten quite quick as yeah, well. Yeah. But, uh, we, yeah, we take, that, we take that Polaroid of each band that, that plays and then we still get kids and, and adults and yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, being, yeah. Oh, my God, look at that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And someone like Charlie XCX, which... It didn't sell out. Like it, it was just before it kind of broke. It, it, it wasn't utterly full. Yeah. You know, people were like, oh wow, maybe I should pay more attention to what's going on yeah. just around the corner. Yeah. Just so that works corner, as a, yeah, And again, that works out. out as, as, as you implied earlier. That's how we advertise to people. We can't afford an advert in the enemy, but yeah. we can put some really cool polaroids on our counter, and then the people who come in are like, wow, what wow. is this place? Yeah. This looks awesome. Um, so I also wanted to see: are there any? in stores that spring to mind that went the most manic or got out of hand and also um 
who's attempted to do an install with the biggest setup because again it's not easy to do a, you know yeah. it's a stripped down thing but some bands will probably go it's it's all right to bring an eight piece yeah eight piece orchestra right as well i guess the because people do find it hard to understand the constraints of of being in a record shop so yeah back in the day before i was uh before i was as uh sure of myself as i am now yeah. perhaps we had we'd had a young knives in store where they brought a full pa there was like stacks touching the ceiling oh, wow. and, you know for a kind of 80 people trying to fit in the shop Damn. and it was the hottest day of the year and all those all that power and all those bodies and all that electricity just seemed to make it hotter yeah so that was that was probably the worst but generally people understand what we're about um some of the fun things that have happened is we had a band called tellison yeah. who uh at that point, they just put, we, we released their album, so they're obviously quite uh, strong, quite big in Kingston, yeah. and they played on, on a real hot day, and the singer fainted uh, oh, mid, mid-set, so that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the best. Um, and recently, a band called Narwhals, who are sort of yeah. a, a thrashy punk band, uh, they played, but they don't do acoustic, they don't do stripped down. Of course they so, don't. Uh, we had the full we put the cages on the windows and like we knew there was going to be crowd surfing so we took all the cds out oh, and, wow. and we were just like go for it lads kind of thing and it was there was people crowd surfing from like two seconds into the set and it was brilliant but the amazing thing is how much every customer was like okay we're gonna we're gonna fuck things up here but not here and yeah. so they were looking after the whole shop no one touched any of the stuff on the walls that's or the wicked ceiling. I, was, I was gonna say there is a, a level of respect because we've done in stores in there that have been rammed and rowdy and all the cds are there you know yeah. it's it's not there's there's a beauty of a beautiful feeling of community there again on paper you could probably say well we can't do it because people will steal stuff or people will break stuff or all, all this kind of thing but if you just have a little bit of faith in people and give them that and go yeah. Look, you're getting something cool here then there seems to be that respect right if, if anyone does dick about then their mates tell them not to but yeah. we very rarely if ever have to police anything yeah. because there is a there is a sense and i think everyone has it in them that like you try and support the things that you like yeah. and and if you're watching one of your favorite bands playing in a tiny little place then you support the place that that has enabled you to do that and we we see it and we see it from uh kids parents popping in and saying yeah. thank you so much that my my my, my girl met this this yeah. guy or they you know they come back come back and get their christmas presents from here even if they yeah. don't buy anything the rest of the year and yeah. it's, it is nice and it's, it's very rewarding because we do work hard we look at work a lot of hours and uh when when people are really appreciative of what you do it's, it, it makes it good so, so, uh, so when was the decision to bring a new slang the club night into it and that that has has live elements as well it's been involved in 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 launches album yeah. launches and stuff like that was that a case of or was that when you were bringing everything into the same pot? Or was that a case of, right, the in-stores are getting too big now, yeah. we need a, another yeah, avenue? It was, it was a bit later than when we took over the shop. Um, uh, the, one of my favourite bands of all time, and it's one of my Desert Island Discs yeah. bands, Say Anything, uh, were touring the UK, and I really wanted to book a show. Um, and at the time, the only appropriate venue we had was uh, The Pill, which is a capacity yeah. of 250 people. So... They were like, if you can find us a room that will hold 500 people, then you can book that band. And I was like, well, how can we do this kind of yeah. thing? So I went over to the nearest big room to the banquet, which is <laughs> the Hippodrome where we sat now. We, and uh, it was like, l- can, we, can l- we do this? I l- literally kind of just about see it from out the door. Absolutely. So I like that you didn't go too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, would, I didn't have time for that. <laughs> um, so we asked about that and uh, we, we set the set the set everything in motion really to try and put on bands who needed to play a bigger room didn't work out with saying anything although there was a happy ending to that story later on yeah. but um 
it, we did talk about it. We did talk about the stage and hiring a PA and trying to work work things out. Um, and in the end, we took um, we took the leap to putting on something outside of our comfort zone with Hundred Reasons because they were our, our friends yeah, of and the right band to start on. Uh, so we we had Hundred Reasons who are quite you know still quite rocky and thrashy for uh, like a, a nightclub kind of yeah. environment. Uh, we had them po- poised to play here. They the day before the singer lost his voice, so couldn't play. Damn. So he pulled out, and uh, we decided to just put the support on. And, and then instead of having it as a gig, have a little club night afterwards. You know, yeah. just playing some indie stuff. So the unknown guy uh, called Frank Turner decided to <laughs> oh, wow. decided to play and we didn't bother hiring a PA for that one so we stuck his mic and his uh, his guitar into the DJ mixer yeah and stuck him through the club PA rather than us having to hire a PA yeah and we you know gave him a few beers and 50 quid and thanks very much and we had a little dance after and there's 100, 150 people turned up and that was an an, an outrageous success at yeah. the time yeah and then we thought, hang on, that was quite fun. Why don't we try and replicate this a bit more? And inspired by club nights like White Heat and After School, we tried to make this kind of our version of it where we had live bands and then the things we played after the live bands were instead of the bit between indie and electro to try and play like the bits between indie and punk. So punk-minded yeah. artists yeah. Um, and also sort of the, the biggest indie pop of, of the time. Yeah. So that's yeah. how it all began and uh, it's, it's evolved quite a lot over the years uh, and we've since since then brought in the kind of in-store idea where you can buy the CD and you can get a ticket for yeah. a certain show. So yeah. this year, like examples of that might include the Vaccines or the Wombats, uh, yeah. Jamie XX, you know, so it's quite yeah. a like, diverse kind of range of, of artists, but all, all with the kind of, our album's out, why don't you buy a CD, we'll give you a ticket, you can see the artists play live, you can get a CD, why wouldn't you do together. that? It's a no-brainer. Yeah. And we can do like four-figure numbers of it's, those bands. It's wicked. I've, d- I've discussed before and not to compare Kingston to... A foreign country, but I've, I've discussed before that often when we've gone and got booked at festivals or gigs in in Romania or in these different places, the fact that we're playing, people will then uh, look into us and become fans. So it's a really weird one of have we got a fan base there? It's like, well, mm. no, this particular club is putting you on, they will provide you a fan base. Yeah. And I feel there's a similarity with Banquet, is there's a level of whatever you're putting on there's a certain amount of people that will go oh let's have a look at that let's, let's check yeah. it out that's worth a look rather than being scanning at the beginning of the month to see who they are into to go to more it's taking the, 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 uh, that traditional local band ethic of there's a gig on people will come and see it and bringing in bands from all over the world and going right you've not heard of these people but because yeah. it's on you'll check it out well that's certainly what we're trying to do so that's awesome that yeah, it's yeah. recognised I yeah. think uh you, you'll know more, but I think the first time you played for us was yep. a few weeks after you played somewhere else in Kingston, which was a, didn't go too yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I think because yeah. when, when you guys turned up here, being like, oh, I'm not so sure about this one. Yeah. And then it was, it was a blast, wasn't it? Yeah, and, it was absolutely and, amazing. And set the tone for the, the, for the first one. And again, I, I've still, I still have people who I talk to on Twitter regularly who were at that first one and have been at each one since then yeah. in Kingston. And, and yeah, it, 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 it's odd that there's that people around here seem to get really into it you know mm. they seem to get pr- properly invested and again I, I think it helps if you come and you know we're always aware that if it's going to be a good crowd or a bad crowd that we're going to p- p- play our asses off so yeah. i think that that wins people over as well but i mean similarly we had um a war and peace one here and that worked perfectly because buddy peace was a former yeah. a former employee so that was perfect but again that wasn't rammed but man they went 
crazy for it and yeah. you know and, and got into it. I think that's kind of the key key with it. It's not necessarily about eighty people, cages on the windows, crowd surfing every time. Mm-hmm. It's about right, we're putting in the the right gigs for the right people. Yeah, and I and one of the things we're we're really key to saying we've already touched on it with the chart stuff, but like it's not just about the big crazy gigs. It's yeah. about how good the gigs are, and you can have the best gig of your life to, and, and there might only be twenty people there, but yeah. if it's twenty people like engaged and watching, and it's amazing. And, and like I, Beans on Toast, I don't know if you've spoken to him recently, yeah. but he'll be talking about how everyone sort of uh, rates how good something was by how many people were in the tent at the yeah. festival, yeah, and it's, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not how good it is. Completely. It's about it's about the actual experience that you had at that moment, and yeah. so I want to keep that going on forever. And and I've 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 remembered now the exact gig that we had done in Kingston because it was one that was in a club night another yeah. club night and it was one that but again it was a really it's still one of my favorite performances because basically we been booked to play this club night and we were in the alpine ski room oh yeah, yeah. and one of the other rooms was a karaoke room and yeah. there was hot dogs for sale it, it wasn't really anything and we were on about one to Two o'clock at night. This is Oceana for Oceana, people who, uh, yeah. yeah, which we got booked to do a load of them. So they, there was weird, like we did one in Portsmouth where the stage was above the bar, right? So literally, it was the weirdest thing because you couldn't have the rowdy people at the front because that's where you buy and drink. So there was a weird pockets of rowdiness throughout the venue. But the Kingston one, basically, we started our set and there was a lot of people there just on drinks promotions. That's why they were there, weren't paying attention or were being a bit rude or dicky. But there was. I think we counted six people who'd come specifically for us. And the fact that those six people had had to stay there until one, two o'clock in that club that clearly clearly wasn't their yeah. thing just meant that we were like, right, we need to make this the best gig that we've ever done. And again, we spoke to, to those guys. I'm sure they all came to banquet that time afterwards. And everyone, we talked about it being a really good gig and good moment because it was that... That, that yeah. again, that personal interaction. Yeah, and, that, and that's important. That's what we all get. Like, it's not a. None of this is a music and arts in general aren't a, yeah. a science. Like, it's yeah, something. Completely. It's a real emotional involvement, and, and that's yeah. that's recognised. Well, I mean, we've tipped over over the hour marks, so we should start to wrap it up. But I want to talk to you about. Um, I mean, this is coming out on Wednesday. What the? F- it's Wednesday the fourteenth, the fifteenth. Yeah. And you know, so it's probably a bit late. But on the sixteenth, there's mm. so, so you're you're taking, and again, it works perfectly because of everything we've discussed about your your passion for the community and your dedication to. You're taking a step into in into into to, to politics That's essentially. Right. It's it's a weird one because I don't want to sort of really bring banquet into it too much, but course, it is yeah. all about John Tolly. So if this one is about yeah. me, then yeah, that's, that's fine. That's that's good. Um, there's a, an agenda in Kingston to shut down this venue we're sat in right now yeah. and McCluskey's and a number of other of the, the places which play live music uh, and the council has been quite open in how it doesn't matter because you've got other pubs to go to I yeah. mean, it's been quotes like that uh, like a pub like O'Neill's kind of fulfills the same role yeah. as, as this yeah. place yeah. I mean, it's a world of you know, difference Wombats won't play O'Neill's yeah. um, so in the last election which was the same day as the general election I ran as an independent cam- a candidate trying to stick up for youth culture and uh, and what I saw as like, wrong decisions being made. And it was, it was a battle, and it was, a lot of the campaign was during uh, record store day time, so I didn't yeah. really have a lot of time because that's our busiest time of the year. Of course. But um, did all right, and a lot of people kind of recognised that uh, what I had to say was, was quite important. Um, but, you know, it doesn't make a, a, really an impact on, on, the, on the 
the party system that we have yeah, in, in, yeah, in the country uh, and, and in the council. So throughout that campaign, there was uh, the Lib- Liberal Democrats, which in Kingston are the, really the only opposition to the Conservative Party, got in touch and were like, we like what you do. I didn't know that this was an issue. Um, and we sort of agreed to have some sort of like... Uh, advisory role to the Lib Dems right, yeah, in, sure. in the future, and that was that was it, end of, and that was done. Uh, and then the night of the general election, we, which incidentally, every election we always have a, a, a drinks promo night. We're not very drinks promo apart yeah. from on general elections, and then we give out a free drink, a red drink if it's a Labour seat and a right, blue yeah, drink, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. great. I love doing those. That's the, my favourite thing about yeah. elections. Um, <laughs> and the first three were all cherry, and we thought well, we might have a good Labour government, but but no. Um, so. We uh, that night, the next morning, you woke up and, and we had shockingly in Kingston we had a Conservative MP, uh, we had a Conservative national government, and our council is Conservative, yeah. and it's like oh god, like what now? You know that's yeah. we've got these people who don't really care about what we do. Uh, I joined the Lib Dem party that overnight uh, the yeah. next day because yeah. I thought like I'm going to try and do something for my local area, yeah. and then it, it was really bad. But one of the best local councillors in the area she died quite suddenly, so there's a by-election. Uh, for this part of Kingston, and yep. because I just joined the Lib Dem party, like for, for no reason other than just like take fifty quid and try and sort out Kingston, yeah. they asked us if I wanted to stand, and uh, I thought about it for a bit, and I thought, yeah, it's the right thing to do. So I'm That's standing, amazing. I'm standing with the Liberal Democrats, um, but I'm just saying exactly what I said before. Yeah, uh, and again, I, I definitely I, I want to flag there because of certain prejudices the mention of Lib Dem a, a few people might have been uh, but um, what a lot of people get so blind to in this country is the difference between a local politics and, mm-hmm. and, and, and local councils and national yeah. p- politics you need to often you need to fight the fight that's relevant in your town and in your in your local area I remember going out years ago with a Billy Bragg and going door to door um and I'd agreed to go because it was um, in kind of embarking in Islington and it was where the BNP were, had their strongest chance of getting a seat. I think they already had a few and were, you know, it was this big, they were getting this big push. And I got there to do it. And it was then that I found out from, from Billy that it was part of a, a Labour push. And at that point, I wasn't up for aligning myself to any yeah. government, particularly after how Labour had gone down some bad... A, a roots recently to that point but and Billy just kind of sat there and said look you don't have to align yourself to Labour you know he's he's obviously supported Labour he's you yeah. know he's he's gone where he's gone for a, a long time but it was like the point is we're locally the best chance of getting the BNP out yeah. is voting for Labour and in, in in that area it was it's like there's there's other options there's this and that but for example at that point and it's changing a lot now at that point a vote for the Green Party would effectively help the BNP, yeah. which they're so counter. So it was, it, was, it was an interesting thing there. So, But again, we went in and we did that, and the BNP got no seats. Everyone went yeah. out and voted, and uh, and it worked. But, but yeah, I just wanted to highlight that I think it can be easy to be confused between national and, and, uh, and local. And the fact is, if everything that you've stood for um, locally and you've stood for everything in this town for her your whole life if you then have a platform to to get that across right that's, then it's that's foolish exactly it. to be 
No, I don't like Nick Clegg. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and like everyone will recognise all the problems of the coalition. Yeah. But I, I think what what I'm doing is saying exactly the same things, but previously I was like shouting it as much as I could, ah, oh, look, the yeah. Tories are wrong on this. But now I'm, I'm speaking in quite an audible way, but there's a party behind it. So they're just amplifying the, the exact same voice. Yeah. Um, and we're finding, because I'm recognised... Only, only within two miles no, of the yeah, shop, yeah, but, but because I'm yeah. a, a face of sorts, you find it's quite a lot of people who that I would always vote Conservative nationally, but I like what you're doing for these gigs, yeah. or like you know, and what, what have you. But I think the important thing, like you just said there, is that you've got someone who understands the town who's trying to represent the town because it's only an extension of what we do the rest of the year anyway. Yeah. It so, grounds it so much yeah. that they can understand that they because it's so hard. Again, I I find it hard myself to to not be cynical or suspicious of any kind of faceless politician but then when it's someone continuing to do what they've always tried to do locally and you've been aware of and supported it's it's that much easier to go all right cool that sounds that sounds like a win yeah so that that's the vibe um i'd I'd like to think that people from or around kingston would be voting for john tolly more than they'd be voting for the lib Lib dems and then elsewhere the lib dem fans would be voting for their candidate so so that's completely that's fine um and i you know, it's no conflict for me, but I realised yeah. I do have to explain it to a few people. And again, I feel it's it's fair now to, 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 to reiterate what you said that this is something that you're doing. It's not affiliated with Banquet, but yeah. again, I think your the, the the ethics that that you've brought into how you run things there and how you you work in the community. It's it's all all relevant in that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I like to think that again. It's really hard for me to be objective about it. Yeah. But Kingston um, is going to go through some quite big changes in the next yeah. three years, and so now's the time to act. And we need, like, I think we need like a sort of pragmatic solution to dealing with the problems right now because yeah. we can't wait for three years to sort it out. But on that night, Completely. if you can if you can look and see a possible s- solution, mm. it's better than sitting there. And just looking at the problems, if you know what I mean, and going, oh, it's, shit, it's not acceptable. It's like, right, so what are we going to do about it? Yeah, that, and, and that's how I feel, and that's how I have to live as a businessman, you know, yeah. and, and what have you. But uh, it's quite fun, because that night, there's an election going on in Kingston, but also that night, Fortet is playing here. Amazing. And so, you know, there's no there's no kind of stopping what you're doing, and, like, I, I will be at the club night, and I'll run over the road to see what the results are, but as long as we keep doing oh, what wicked. we're doing, then, I love then it. it's... Uh, then that's important. And well, that's perfect. Let's say that. that other parties are available for, for <laughs> votes. Um, but, but I would like to think that even if people disagree, they won't like hate on me for it because yeah. it, what the, the 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 intentions are obviously for Kingston because yeah, people don't reckon like generally councillors don't pick up on what youth culture is about and uh, yeah, someone needs to. And, and, and generally, that's not you know, it, or if they do, it's from sampling it. F- for a day. I mean, I see this all the time. My mum and brother have all worked in, in, in libraries for years and you see pe- people making these huge decisions yeah. on one on one visit to a library and thinking they know how the intricacies of how all of this is run and what is needed and what mm. isn't needed. And it's, it's similar. So it's got to be a positive thing, regardless of how it ends, if you're bringing in people who have come from that community and society rather than, than, than going, well... They look like they need this, so mm. do you know what I mean. It, 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 it can only be a, sh- a quick fix in that manner. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a fascinating way of uh, learning about how this whole system works and yeah. about about what people do and about how much. Like, and again, like I kind of don't really want to say this too much, but like there's parallels with 
DIY-ness yeah. in the pol- political system, as much as there's some depths that people go to, there's some people who don't live in Kingston who are like, hey, I like what you're doing, I want to try and come and help you out. And, and it's for a shared goal. And even if you disagree with what their goal is, yeah. you can still appreciate that someone's given up their time to come and try and hand out leaflets or, or speak on your behalf in a yeah. different town. And it's, and it's like, until, until this process, I never really understand when bands are like, hey, we're really humbled to all the, all the people who bought our album. I never really got it. I thought, you're, like, oh, you're quite proud, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. actually do see, like, oh, my God, all these people are doing it, and it's because of you, and, like, you owe them so much, yeah, and you're, yeah. you're, you have Absolutely. to be responsible. And it's... And, and there's interesting things about like business and talking to people and finding out things about the community which I didn't know even though I've lived here for like yeah. 12 years yeah. in the middle of town so uh, yeah it's, it's fascinating it and really I, is fascinating and I'd just like people who wherever you are to like be bothered in politics yeah. like and to try and make your town better whatever way you think that is yeah. because you can it doesn't take much to sort of get up off your, off your bum and be like I'm going to do this today I'm going to make this better are you, have you considered doing um, a free fortet a, t- a, t- a ticket with every vote, you know, just yeah, really, yeah, really bringing in. You, you get priority entry. I, I think it would be incredible if we if we did if we did win this this seat, then all, all, everyone who's helped out on this campaign will be coming over here, and it would be quite a culture shock for That'd a few amazing. of them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. Well, thank you very much for giving me your time thank and for you. chatting and for the support over the years. In fact, well, so we're big fans, so it's an obvious thing to do. Thank you very much. There we go. That was John Tolly JT on the episode 48 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'd, man, I'd love it if you subscribed. That'd be swell. Um, I mean, also on this particular episode, a word of mouth is great. As I've said before, when we've not got these big names, it takes that bit more to push people into it and persuade them to, to give it all a look. So, um, if you can give this a little push, then that would be lovely. Tell a friend about it, spread the word. If you're in the music industry, um, whether that be working at a record label or a, a, a record store, working at CMU, working at, you know, anywhere, an artist, then this is, could be a, a relevant one to share around. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back next week. As I mentioned, we've got um, Neil Maskell, who I'm a massive fan of. He was... He first came to my attention in Football Factory, but then he was also in Kill List and, and Utopia and Hyena and numerous other awesome things. And it was amazing chat. Oh, I also reveal um, the film that I've been are working on. I've touched on upon it and not really told anyone, but how me and Neil met was on set for um, a huge new film that's, that's coming out next year. Um, so, yeah, tune in for that grisly little bit of information if you fancy giving that a look I, I can't believe i forgot that i was listing all the things i was excited of, of, about for him but yeah that's worth a look my advice would be to subscribe to the distraction pieces podcast on itunes or acast or wherever you wish um but yeah and tell a friend spread the word buy kill the wolf by b dolan um and generally have a lovely time and a lovely week my name is scroobius pip this is the distraction pieces podcast see you later Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. 
Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 